Happy Wednesday, Steeg. Hey, look at that. I uh, I was hoping USF would uh, would lean in on that after I dropped that nugget uh, a few times and they didn't. So hey, what can you do about it? They're like, we can't steal from at Robert Steeg Life from the DailyStampede.com. Oh no, you absolutely can. That's what I was like. Hey, we'll give you some nuggets. Just roll with them, please. Like, I don't I don't do it to like overtake someone's job. I the the, the social media team for USF has been. Uh, a lot better. They don't want to take their job from them, but boy, howdy, I've got some good ideas up in this noggin, and I want to. I want to tweet stupid shit every once in a while. It's sometimes the good ones are there. Official accounts. Instead, we got the and I learned something because I had no idea what ate all the ate the the crumbs or left no crumbs on the table, and I was like, "Do do kids say that?" I have found out that they do. So, how do you do, fellow kids? it's it's very much like a like a like a k-pop stand thing like okay i i wouldn't i wouldn't say this is like the most like yeah i would put it on a scale of one to ten ten being like when everyone was saying like on fleet yeah and shit like that and then like one being like when i introduced riz to everyone in the the daily stampede slack um i would we, (laughs) we we had in the daily stampede slack just a conversation of like Okay, like some of us are older than, you know, we've, you know, the olds and, you know, somewhere in the middle, but it was just like, okay, terms that you've heard, what do you have no idea what it was? And Riz was one of them. And then I found out it's like charisma. And then I went, oh, I get it. That's actually a neat play on words. Yes, yes. like, uh, like Brock says, these knees is what I, uh, I, I is, still is, say is that all term. the time. <laughs> I, I I got made fun of because I said something was a bop, and they're like, "That's old." I'm like, "Is it?" Yeah, bops. Now it's now it's. I don't even know what it is nowadays, actually. Um, but now now we're going through, well, yeah, two and a half minutes, and we're fine. We're not that far off the rails. Um, but we, you know, we're back. <laughs> we're Again. back. What we're a back. And we're, we're, I just what an incredible we because now we're at the point where midweek games happen and that golf still extends through Monday and Tuesday. So we do a show and the new stuff happens and it's just exciting. Like we said, hey, USF plays this home and home with UF. What's going to happen? And then they unfortunately lost in the ninth inning or uh, on Tuesday and the home half. Then they go to Gainesville and little did we know we have the best Wednesday ever. Yes, the best Wednesday ever. And in fairness, um, I had no faith going on Wednesdays. I remember when we were going over the schedule for the games this week, I looked at that Wednesday on the composite calendar and I said, fuck, man. Like, that's not fun. Like, it just, it, it screamed just like women's basketball would, would you know, not play great against uh, SMU there. Um, or excuse me, was it SMU or Tulsa? Tulsa, excuse me. Um, yeah, Tulsa was the... And then... And then, like, just like everything else is going to get let down after that. I was like, back to the old, old, old watering well and everything like that. But uh, lo and behold, they surprised us, probably surprised us all uh, with a very rare monumental occasion for USF. <laughs> um, and I will say, with these pleasant surprises, all of a sudden you turn around and, oh, wow, we didn't expect that. But that was an incredible, incredible. Day and just watching all the different teams do what they did, especially in the in the in the slots that it happened. If you were if you were able to watch all of those games, they all started to converge on each other at really interesting times too. Like we were all watching the, the, the like the the UC like the the baseball game seemed like it was completely out of out of whack. So we were watching the Warren I four game, and as that was getting exciting, it's like oh my gosh, I can't believe they're going to pull this off and they're going to sweep sweep UCF for the first time since ninety. Wait. First time since, yeah, 1992. And then Steve goes, not so fast, my friends. USF came all the way back in baseball. And we were like, well, are you kidding me? <laughs> it was just a wild, you know, cadence of how that, how that all worked out. And, and Seth and I were live talking about the football schedule <laughs> as yeah. it was all going on. And that- I, at one point, I, I almost messaged Seth and I was like, we need to just stop for like 10 minutes let these games end because baseball and basketball were just rolling at the exact same time in the closing minutes. And then like softball was like in the top of the seventh, <laughs> like five minutes after the fact. So 
there was there was a lot going on that Wednesday. And at, at one point, I don't even I don't think that podcast we had on Wednesday was frankly any good because we were so distracted by things that were going on. Like I had the game on my phone going live. Yeah, Seth, we we deserve a lot of credit for uh, for the Wednesday at hand because we we powered through trying to USF's football schedule and our predictions and everything like that while a historical day was happening for the Olympic sports, which is a lot of irony for me. What I love about those live shows is you see the opportunity that you guys are having the podcast and all of a sudden it's like, Steve's like, oh, I think USF's going to pull this off. And then Seth's like, all right, let's talk about Western Kentucky. It's just like, <laughs> then you listen to the podcast afterwards, just like, oh, that's just funny how that works out. It's like, I'm not, for the most part, since we've been doing these lives, I don't really do any editing whatsoever unless there's something that, you know, sometimes you're showing something. So it's like, okay, there's a lot of like dead air. I'll go ahead and edit that. But for the most part, it's like, keep it all natural. It's pretty funny when that happens. Um, and I just, I guess that that's right. Again, we wish Nathan best of health. He's uh, he wasn't able to make it last week. And, uh, but that, that Wednesday was great. So do you want to jump in? Just go straight down, straight down the list. Yeah, we'll, we'll 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 touch on the important games that happened on that Wednesday. Um, that will uh, culminate into um, just a lot of <laughs> yeah. Just, we got to talk about Austin Reed while we're you know sweeping UCF in basketball. Um, but yeah, we'll touch on the important games as well. The the you'll know which ones are the important games. But we'll start with basketball, with men's basketball specifically. Who and that UCF game was a culmination of a, a lot of what we had expected out of a university South Florida basketball team, um, but just never kind of got it all pieced together. Uh, they made the mistakes that they normally make, uh, free throw shooting and, um, you know, other various things. But lo and behold, a sweep of University of Central Florida men's basketball for the first time since 1993. That does sound like a long time uh, because it was. And keeping in mind, uh, for a good while there, USF and UC were not in the same conference, uh, especially uh, when you look at the Metro and the Conference USA kind of stints there. So it was rare for US and UC to play two times in the same season of home and home. Um, so we'll just say first time in the American Athletic Conference history, which sounds at least a little bit right. And at the la- it's the last time, at least. You know, at least in this conference, and for a while, that they'll they'll play that. This is the first win in Orlando since 2014, which is year two in the conference. And that was an overtime win, so it's just wild to see um, that happen the way that it did. Uh, this is first season sweep. They had four players in double figures. So uh, Ryan Conwell, the freshman who's come alive at the end of the season, um, 14 points. Tyler Harris, 13 points, and he got ejected with probably five minutes, six minutes left to go in the um, in the game. Not ejected, sorry. He fouled out. Sorry. Back it up. He just fouled out. Uh, he did have a technical foul, though. There were, there were um, what I, I wrote, there were four technical fouls in this game. Just wild. Uh, Selton Miguel had 14 points, and Keyshawn Bryant had 13 points. And we're going to show some of those points that he had in here because Keyshawn Bryant just out of nowhere decided to have a slam dunk contest in um, – I don't addition center. What is it called now? Anyway, uh, first financial edition poopy pants arena or whatever it is. You know, it's no foam dome. But hey, uh, Steve, keep talking. I'm just gonna add this fun little um, dunk compilation that I found online. Does it audio or, it, or am I am I talking over it? Am I am I giving color commentary? We could we could just kind of talk over it. Just get a little full core press here for UCF. So this is the first one. Cool boy. The alley oop. I see. I, I was I was watching this and I was just like, oh my goodness! I can't believe they just did that casually. They've been they've been gearing up for this alley oop all year too. I think Keyshawn Bryant at full health is just so they just much like fun to watch. N- nobody was there. there. There's some kind of repeats in here, but. And okay, so you think like an alley oop? It's like okay, they're they're gonna figure it out. They're they're gonna stop that. Make sure it gets like nope. <laughs> just again. Uh, who, hold on. The, who was that that just went out to try to block that? Um, was it Michael Durr? I'm not sure. It was. It was in do indeed Michael Durr. We're gonna see this one because this is just like I don't care. I'm going, and nobody tried to stop him. 
just coast to coast. Just happened. And Jim Lighthall on, on the call there, which we need to talk about that redemption arc. Oh my goodness. Too. And they had uh, uh, USF was making some threes at the end, and they were saying like, "Oh, he shot it right over Magic Kingdom!" <laughs> like, right? They were having so much fun. Oh with my this. goodness! Oh my goodness, Keyshawn Bryant! I just unbelievable. Game, we're almost there. So sorry. I just feel like we had we had to see this. And this one with five. So they're up by three, and this one off the baseline. Just oh my gosh! <laughs> there is UCF so much a storming story. back. Yeah, right. And he just out of nowhere over Taylor Hendricks, who's going to be a you know possible lottery pick in the NBA. Right. All right. Nice segment. Um, Brandon, I hope you're in for our next slide. No, that was it. That's just the five. That's just the just um, the four. So anyway, Keyshawn Bryant had four or thirteen points. Uh, most of those on monstrous dunks, and then he had a really nice three at the end to kind of. Uh, extend the lead because for a while there UCF was storming back. Uh Russell Chu had six points and 13 rebounds, but a lot of what he did um was they were double teaming him. So there were some opportunities around. One thing that was fascinating to me about this game, and I don't want to stay too much in this game, but it's just I, I put at the end of our notes Vito was hype. I was watching this game and it was just so exciting. Um, they did a really good job of converging in the paint and being able to work around defenders to just get easy layups. And I was that's something I haven't seen. Normally this uh, a, a Brian Gregory led team would kind of lean towards the hero ball almost where you try to draw a foul. They were, a, they were actively avoiding defenders. Um, but right. yeah, they shot 52% from the field, 62% in the first half, 50% from three and had 64% free throw percentage, which we talked about, you know, you go, you go from 50 to 60, 65, that changes some of these games and they've been able to do that. And then they out rebounded UCF 47 to 26, just a masterclass. Right. And this isn't, and this sounds so weird to give credit. Like this isn't like a UCF team that had historically been out rebounded or was, you know, on, on the ton between the a defensively not playing well or anything like that. Like they they have a stout defense. They have big men like Taylor Hendricks is a human rebounding machine over there. Mm-hmm. And yet USF, I mean, the score I feel like is a lot closer than how the game actually was. You know, I, I think if you probably neutral court this game, it's probably a little bit, there's probably a, a much bigger spread between them. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they did everything right at the end too, which I think was the the best part. Like in a, in, in a normal year, you would see USF kind of fold this one away. Um, you know, they, they fall apart on, on whatever aspect, not hitting free throws. Um, I, I think they really kind of benefited from a, uh, Russ Chaywan not taking as many uh, free throw shots at the end there. Um, yeah, and they uh, they went they seven for smarter. eight. Yeah, well, and also that so they were seven for eight from free throw lines down the stretch when they were getting fouled. So they were able to make those, and that was Cyril Smith who came in and was four for four at the end there, and he pretty much only played those couple of minutes, uh, anticipating getting fouled to be able to 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 nail those. And and I mean that was huge because um, UCF was coming back. Uh, they didn't shoot that well. Um, in the second half, 36% from the field, 35% from three, but they had 76% free throw uh, shooting. And because this game was very physical, um, what four technical fouls, I mean, Michael Durr also fouled out. Um, it was just the one, the team who's going to be able to keep the free throws going. And in, and earlier on in the season, they weren't able to to make these down the stretch. So th- they did this time in a hostile environment for the most part in a rivalry game. Like this was just a great culmination of, they figured it out from top to bottom. They had multiple players, uh, score points in multiple fat ways. And this was just like, if this is this team and you can put it throughout the whole season, USF's good. Like, that's the thing. Tyler Harris fouled out. Like, your best player fouled out. And uh, he clearly looked like he wanted to be out there. But, yeah. Right. So, they they get that win. They surprise us all. Do we want to move on to the uh, SMU victory? No, yeah, we might as well. <laughs> now that Let's I keep can acknowledge going. them. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they return home. It's the salute to service night and they win 71 to 67. I was actually at this game. Uh, first men's basketball game of the season. So I was able to go. Um, they were down by as many as 15 and down 38 to 26 at the half. And it was just looking rough. SMU was making everything. They were able to hit outside shots, hit inside shots. 
Um, then they stormed back with a 45-29 vengeance in the second half. And this was led by Tyler Harris. He had a monster game with 30 points, 7-12 uh, field goals, 5 of 9 from 3 points, and 27 of those came in the second half. He scored 27 points in the second half of this game to just take over. Uh, there was a moment where he, he, hit a, he hit a monster three, and he was just doing this to the crowd. It was pretty cool. I, bet, uh, I tried to get a, a photo on my potato phone, but, you know, such as it goes. Uh, Russell Chua was 12-9, uh, and nine and uh, Jameer Chaplin had 11. And this is just part of, like, okay, so this is their first two-game winning streak in the conference. And they had five different guys score double digits. I'm sorry, six different guys scored double digits. And it's just... Brian Gregory teams for USF anyway, it was always you rely on a few guys and you rely on really stingy defense. This is any guy can come up and score double figures. And it's just remarkable. And again, they they 65% from free throws. It it's it's those types of things that turn, you know, a 67 to 65 loss into a 71 67 win. And historically, they do lose them. They do lose those. That's the it's, mm-hmm. it, it's it's funny to me because it's just kind of like how variable these small nuances have become for USF and basketball over the years. Like free throw shooting and mm-hmm. just finding a guy that can make threes consistent. Like it, it's it's the dumbest thing in the world because you would think, oh, it's so simple. You know, just find a guy that can shoot threes pretty consistently. But USF just for whatever reason, they'll bring in a guy that's a career, you know, 50 to 60% three point uh, you know, specialist. And then they'll tank to like twenty five percent, like during the season. Mm-hmm. You know, I, the, whether it's called whether it's the play that they call or, or you know not finding open shots or whatever it is, it just it, it feels funny to me to see them win the games by doing the right things. And I mean, everyone was like off the when it was what twenty to nine in the first half. Mm-hmm. Everyone was, was like, oh, back to normal, back to reality. Mm-hmm. And then they decided, oh, second half, all right, let's do this. Kind of thing. So yeah, they went from they shot forty one percent and twenty two from three in the first half to fifty nine percent and fifty percent from three in the second half. It's just you 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 reverse those numbers and all of a sudden what whatever whatever happened at halftime, um, that they, they figured it out. Um, Tyler Harris notables he had five threes for the tenth time this season. It's his third thirty point game that's tied fourth all time for USF again. He's only here one year and he's already on you know in top five lists. Um, he's tied for the most threes in a season in USF history. So his next three will be the, the, the break, the one that breaks it. Um, so it's their first winning streak and they've won three of four again with that loss to, um, who they lose to Tulane, Tulane. Tulane. Uh, but I actually pulled this from go USF bulls. Um, coach Brian Gregory is 50 and 19 and 12 and five this season when the team scores 70 or more points. Uh, I mean, That's all- <laughs> Just score a lot I mean, of points, idiot. Yeah, exactly. You get pointsy. <laughs> just, it's like, is this is this iteration is like, hey, if we just go, hey, we're going to go pointsy, and maybe that works. Um, Tyler Tyler Harris was named the AC honor roll for his fifth time this season. So, again, he had a monster game, a really great week, really great week for USF men's basketball for a program that needs it. So, I wow. mean, they, they get Tulsa for senior night on Wednesday. They beat Tulsa by a lot <laughs> last game. You have a really good chance of extending a winning streak here. I um, I don't know. I know. I know. We've we, we always try to think about the positive, and I'm just really excited to see that this team kind of gelled together and have still played together fairly well down the stretch. And you know, you I I always hate the the idiom, but you never know. You get into the tournament and all bets are off. So it's like, who knows what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen. Right. Not going to win the turn, but hey, it's fun, to, exciting to think like, hey, you're you're looking good down the stretch. This is what this team could have been, but what happens after the season, we'll have to see. Yeah, because I mean, it, it got brought up on our Discord, and and Larry asked it here in, in our chat as well. You know, are they on the rise? It, has Brian Gregory done enough to save his job? You know, et cetera, et cetera. The big question marks around this program is, you know, what are they going to do? Because it is now become a little bit more of a difficult decision because of recency bias at least. So, you know, you, you don't want to fire a guy who's finally building the momentum that he needs to, you know, build this program back up from the, for the third time or however many times you want to count it. Um, but at the same time, this doesn't kind of, this doesn't excuse what happened between games nine and games 24, right? You know, a lot of stuff happened between them that was just head poundingly frustrated. 
You know, in mm-hmm. credit to Brian Gregory for the way that he built this roster this year, it did address every single issue that the team had last year. You know, there was no three-point specialist. There was no big guy in the middle. There was no perimeter forward. There was no added help. And they addressed all of those issues this offseason and then recruited really well, too. You know, Ryan Conwell, I, at the beginning of the season, I was told from uh, one of the insiders that they're going to have a hard time keeping Ryan Conwell from getting plenty of minutes. They have a really talented roster in front of them. As a true freshman, you would think he needs to, you know, get strength, get bigger or anything like that. But I mean, he, he's exploded and he's getting his minutes and he's proving why he was, you know, one of the best basketball players in Indiana last year. Mm-hmm. But you still are at 13 and 16 on the season. So you're below 500 for the season. You're at six and 10. So unless USF has a miraculous run here and wins their next five games, well, five, six games, they're going to have their sixth straight season in the Brian Gregory under 500 in conference. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm, I'm all for building momentum and building momentum back up, but I, I don't think you can excuse another year under 500, regardless of how it's been. You know, they, they, they've addressed a lot of issues. They have the opportunities to be above 500 this year. They had quite a few of them. Yeah, the, the, there's some games that come to mind. That first Memphis game that just slipped between their uh, fingers. Uh, I mean, that Houston game, but again, Houston's a really good team, so it's like you really can't fault them for that. Uh, I'm just fascinated that this roster was able to do what it's been able to do, and they have multiple guys who can who can be the leading scorer, and they can score in multiple ways. Um, I think this is culminating, but the bad thing is your best player is graduating. And I'm curious, because I'm not certain, is Keyshawn Bryant graduating too? I saw he's a senior, but I know with the COVID years, everything's a little strange. So I'm not sure. I think he has two years of eligibility. Okay. So this year so, and, and another. So it's hard to it's hard to say like, hey, okay, I can bring another Tyler Harris because I don't think, I mean, he is incredible. <laughs> One of the best smooth shooters I've seen from you. I mean, a guy will like, he lines up at the at the logo and just drains threes. It's, it's wild. So it's hard to, you know, it, at, and we won't talk about that exactly, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, six seasons and who knows what, but if your new philosophy is, Hey, I'm going to score 70 points plus a game, then the stats, the stats speak for themselves, but I'm going to take the winning two of three and having a favorable senior day matchup against Tulsa on Wednesday. And then they end it uh, against Wichita state on Saturday, Sunday. Sunday. And then they go into Fort worth for the conference championship. But another win that happened on the, uh, the USF court women's basketball, beat Tulsa 93 to 83 on Wednesday. Part of that excellent Wednesday that, that occurred uh, on senior night where they honored uh, Elena Chineke and Dulce. Thank Menjiadu. Maybe uh, four bowls, double figures. Sammy had 27 and a, a remarkable seven of 14 from three. <laughs> like she went off. Dulce had 25 points and added 13 rebounds. Elena had 15 points and a career high nine assists. And then Carla Brito added 10, who uh, on the offensive side has come alive. Um, it looked like Tulsa was going to try to squeak this one out. They um, uh, were leading after the first quarter. And uh, pretty much after that, USF just got it back and then kept kept them with ar- arms late to win. Uh, they out-rebounded Tulsa 39-30 uh, and shot 49% from the field and 42% from three. I mean... Steve, I was watching this simultaneously. So I have like a dual screen setup. I was doing some work on my bottom screen. I was watching the Warren I four up here and I have an iPad that I was watching the women's basketball game. And, uh, you know, Molly comes and goes like, you're, you're, you're nuts. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it was one of those, like, uh, I was kind of paying attention on both sides, but I mean, another great win. Uh, women's basketball is 25 and five and 14, one in conference is one more game left. Like it's just incredible season from them. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. And, you know, if all according to plan, um, USF is going to be one of, I believe, four schools uh, this year to end their conference run with one or less losses or something. It, it, I don't know the best way to word that. It's mm-hmm. like four other schools that are going to be with one loss or less uh, as the regular season ends in a conference play. Um, South Carolina. And oh gosh, I had it in my head 
fuck, it was on the athletic earlier and I wanted to plug it and I chose it, not to because I wanted it to be a surprise. Is it Indiana? I believe it's Indiana. Hold on a second. God, it's in uh, Boston University is one of them too. It is not Florida Gulf Coast. I know that for certain. Oh god, it was in their power rankings too. I'm angry at myself for not keeping track of this one because it was such a good stat. It was such a random fucking stat, and of course, it, it's all contingent on USF winning against um, the worst team in the conference uh, against Cincinnati. I'm they, actually they tra- just jinxing the shit out of them right now. They travel to Cincy on Wednesday, and then that's the final game of the regular season. And then the conference tournaments March 7th through 9th in Fort Worth. So if anyone wants to go to Fort Worth, go um, uh, support the men's and women's basketball programs in the conference tournament, where we're hoping women can uh, win the conference tournament, get the double, and that's two times in three years, which would be awesome, especially since when, when you, uh, UConn left. I'm so mad. I can't find it. I can't find a damn athletic article. It, it, South Carolina and then Boston University, and then there's like two other schools that are in this. And two of them are small schools, and then two of them are like perennial power, you know, schools and whatnot. And, well, and the, basketball. So. the good thing is when you find them, you can post them in the Discord later. And if you're not in the Discord, how do you get some Discord access? You go ahead and follow us on Twitch, send a DM to that guy or to the house account, and then we'll get you a Discord invite. So then you can hear all these crazy things that we'll just randomly throw stats and stuff we find in there. And uh, whether people like it or not, we'll remember to go back and take a look later. And also fun, fun recruiting news and spring coverage coming up because spring is just around the corner. (laughs) We're booking through like sports right now. It's incredible. Um, there's so much going on. I cannot believe it. And then we, we still get like called. We're not even close to the, the time of year where like everything's hitting full speed, especially now with social media and like mm-hmm. recruiting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to like our recruiting breakdown that we're going to have like in a couple months to talk about like every, like who women's basketball recruited, men's basketball recruited, who, who's, uh, who's new, who's not new, all that stuff. This Here is actually go. a really, I a really good question. You Fuck go, Steve. Finally found it. Holy shit! All right, <laughs> this is gonna be the this is gonna be the weirdest group of teams you're ever gonna hear in your entire life. South Carolina and Gardner Webb are the only two teams to not drop a game during their conference schedules this year. Wow! And then Boston University, UNLV, and then fingers crossed, um, South Dakota State and. Um, USF will also be doing that list here soon. Absolutely incredible. I, uh, that it's, it's a weird, it, it's a very strange list, but it's good to be on it. Um, this is a good question that I think we're going to bring up and ask, cause I am unsure. Name me the last USF men's basketball player that stayed for his entire career. Torland Fitzpatrick. That yeah. Um, that's really the only one I, I can remember. And it's always tough to, cause sometimes you have like a, a Juco transfer that sticks around or somebody leaves, um, you know, I guess we're talking scholarship players, not walk-ons too. That's a good question, and I'm going to bring say, it up. Mark Kalea. Yeah, Mark Kalea. <laughs> I'm going to bring. Uh, we'll bring it up to um, uh, some of the other Illuminati podcast fellow or Daily Stampede fellows mm-hmm. who probably know a little bit more on the basketball end. Uh, but yeah, I can't think of anybody it, uh, since then. All right, Steeg. I mean, we've been 30 minutes on men's and women's basketball. <laughs> We're gonna have to we're gonna have to speed up a little difficult. bit here. Yeah, that is. Um, yeah, I know. You, you can talk about our nationally ranked men's tennis team, who's under five hundred but nationally ranked. Yeah. We told you these rankings are very strange. They are, but they are. ITA is the best at ranking teams. It is the fairest way that I've seen any collegiate sports team ranking. There is there is no East Coast West Coast power power anything. There is no prices in this thing. They truthfully do a good job. And ranking these teams, the USF is rightfully ranked. Um, their record uh, as of now is some Sounds like they're not playing that well. They have some really good victories under their belt, including two of them from uh, this past week. Uh, but we'll start with a not victory. Our first uh, mentioned loss of the show. Um, USF traveled up to Virginia to take part of a little tournament up there. Uh, they started the weekend playing the number 28 team in the country, BCU, Virginia Commonwealth. Um, they lost seven nothing. 
VCU is really good this year. VCU is 10 and one. And uh, yeah, they're just really good. I mean, it, it comes to a point where you just got to tip your cap to opposing team. And uh, you know, USF got swept in doubles. They lost all but one set uh, in singles. And even when one set, they uh, Tom Passane forced the third set and then lost in the tiebreaker 10 to three. So just overall, forgettable, uh, but doesn't really define the season. Again, it's it's a really good team. It's sometimes you play a team that is ten and one and has beaten her break opponents this year so far. What can you do about it? Um, but then they turned it right back around, uh, playing number forty six Penn State, where they won handedly six to one. Uh, so you you know go from shit in the bed to shitting in someone else's bed. How about that? So uh, again, I, <laughs> that's, I'm going to trademark one of these one of these days. Um, they won, <laughs> they they won the doubles point uh, pretty handedly. Uh, the two wins uh, were by uh, by score six two. Eric Rebellius and Alvin Tudorica and David Tortora and Bruno Oliveira were the two uh, winning duos for USF. Uh, Elijah Cham lost on court four. That was the only blemish on the afternoon for USF. Uh, the rest of the team. Had to battle, so it wasn't just like a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, three of the six courts up uh, to uh, tiebreaker. So, you know, all in all, uh, you were able to secure a really good victory against a really good Penn State team that's only lost three games this year. So I'll take that as a big positive. And uh, then on the, uh, their final matchup, they played Liberty, uh, not the Eagles, the Liberty Flames. Uh, they had a nice come from behind victory there as well to uh, really secure a uh, solid weekend all around. They lost the doubles point. Uh, they were down, or excuse me, they then retook the lead very quickly. I, I think in straight seven, four, five minutes, they took a 2 1 lead. Uh, Tudorica and Oliviera both just dominated their opponent. Um, then they lost those 2 2. Then they had a little back and forth to where it was uh, 3 3. And then Gravelius won to the match. Tom Pissane played a two and a half hour match and lost. And I just feel bad. Like, that's a lot of exercise. You got a lot of exercise. That's a lot. Woo. And I two the this it was like six four in the first set. He lost in the tiebreaker six to seven in the second set. And then the third set was like ten or eleven to nine. Something ridiculous like I don't have the stats in front of me, but overall, um, got a lot of exercise, burned a lot of calories, eating an eat an extra chicken sandwich on the way home after that one. So after that, uh, pretty good weekend. Uh, again, they're at six and eight. They're probably going to move up in the ITA rankings, which is fantastic to see for another great Ashley Fisher coached in this tennis program. Uh, they're off for a whole ass week. Going to need to after week. that two and a half hours yeah. of you know. Game time. <laughs> Jeez. Tom's gonna Tom's gonna sit in an ice bath for the entire time. Yeah. Uh, so they they travel to Texas. Yeah, travel to Texas A and M uh, to take on the Aggies on March sixth, and that's the only game they have next week too. Um, okay. So good for them. They they get a, a nice and well deserved break there. I mean, that's it's not a bad weekend. Beating Penn right. State and, and Liberty. Beating those, I'm not going to make a joke. Actually, I was going to make a joke about Liberty and Penn State having things in common, and I'm not going to. I'm a better man than that. But we'll get to women's tennis quickly so that we can dodge that bullet. Uh, they are back to 500 on the season. Uh, they won both their matches over the weekend. Uh, firstly, a 4-2 win over Stetson, and followed by a 4-3 victory over Northwestern. The big monkey on USF's back right now for uh, women's tennis is uh, they haven't won a doubles point in six straight matches. And for uh, I'll reiterate how uh, tennis scoring works. So you start with your doubles points. Every You have your six designated players, designated duos, and each court, or there's three courts at a time playing, and each, um, you know, you get you into it to get the doubles point. Um, and if not, you have to then win four single sports uh, in order to spare the match. And so it's it's quite uh, a leg behind to lose your doubles point for six straight matches. 
But for USF to overcome that and still sit at uh, 500 on the year, I think it's a pretty good sign. I think it's it's a lot of chemistry things. It's a lot of just making sure you got the right pairs going. Um, sometimes I switch girls in and out of the lineup just to make things work. But nonetheless, uh, a good uh, couple of victories there. Uh, Sierra Berry uh, continues to be a force for USF women's tennis on court one. Uh, she is their ace. She is their best player. She will be the MVP for the team this year once again. Not to be outdone, Leona Walsh is also having one hell of a year right now. Um, she's historically have been playing on courts five and six this year. Um, I think she's only dropped, I think, two matches this year. So uh, she's six and two, if I recall her scores correctly. Um, she's playing extremely well. And Marta falsetto Fonts has also played very well. Um, there's just a, a few inconsistencies here and there. I will give uh, a big shout out to this Northwestern match that they had. Uh, they literally came from the brink of death to win this game four to three. Again, lost their doubles point. Uh, they lost. Uh, they quickly lost two straight sets to uh, bring this to a three nothing uh, deficit very quickly. And they were, you know, knocking on that score. I think um, Sierra. Excuse me. Marta Falsetto Font was down five to three in her second set and then ended up winning out of hers. So easily could have gone the other way. Uh, Sierra Berry, Juliana Walsh won theirs. Then Grace Schumacher um, won the last set to clinch a victory for USF for Northern. Pretty good victory, uh, all things considered. And so, again, back to four and four, 500 on the season. Uh, they got some winnable games in the cat tail in the screen. Look at that, baby. Uh, two straight home games for women's tennis coming up. They got Friday against Louisiana Tech, and then a Sunday matchup against Toledo Rockets. I love the Toledo Rockets. It's the stupidest fucking team name you'll ever hear in your life. Amazing. But, uh, so two, two games put up for them. Lots of Rockets in Toledo, apparently. Uh, the, the one thing about uh, sometimes those scores are really interesting. You see, like, oh, wow, they're at the brink because you know you lose the doubles point, then the singles matches happen just super quickly, lose straight sets, but the other ones end up going the distance so it's like it seems like oh wow they're going to lose but you always got to pay attention to the courts and where they're at and sometimes on these if you watch on ESPN plus or when they're in the, the tournament stages it's interesting because you can switch between the courts and the cameras so you can kind of see and the, the live scoring is interesting to watch for these college broadcasts right. but yeah that's uh that's wild that was the uh, will kennedy bowl if you will tennis uh classic yes. um and uh we we showed him that and i just remember him putting in all caps conflicted <laughs> Shout out, Willie. USF, uh, great alumni. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take uh, take golf because I need to rest my voice for a second. <laughs> I was going to say you wrote golf, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm interested and curious to see. So, uh, women's golf finished ninth in a 15 team field at the show ahead of two ranked opponents. Uh, they did wrap that up last Monday, so we were still. Um, doing the show. And then uh, we were able to see this. Uh, Melly Green continues to be a force, still a top player on the team. She finished tied for fifth with under three. Um, the rest of the squad uh, were over par. Um, but uh, next up, they have the Trinity Forest Invitational in Dallas on March 6th through uh, 7th. So it'll be interesting to see how they do. Uh, again, uh, ninth and 15 doesn't seem very good when you're at two ranked opponents still early in the season. It's good to be able to get them um, uh, the reps they do and then melanie green also just being as good as she is is like sierra berry just like dominating um the competition um some of the other scores were over seven over nine over ten and it's like when i look at those you see melanie green was three under par like that a tough course it looked like and also just a very good um very round from her uh, men's golf. is currently eighth in the Lake, Lake Las Vegas Invitational. I believe they wrap up tomorrow, so we'll know more about that. Um, Chase, no, they wrap up on Wednesday. They wrap up on Wednesday. Okay, they, there you go. Yeah, they've, uh, got, they've got three full round three plays. Okay, I, um, so round two is tomorrow. Round three is Wednesday. Uh, Chase Gullickson and Shabam Jaglin are tied for 11th at two under par, and they lead the way. Uh, elsewhere, Sam Nicholson is eight over par, and Jake Peacock is uh, even. And Nito Palmquist are six over. Um, golf, like tennis, um, and sometimes volleyball. I need to like get the. I need to figure out how to say some of these names just so I don't say them wrong. But there you go. Men's golf is currently eighth in the Lake Las Vegas Invitational. At the very least, they're hanging out in Las Vegas, which is always a fun place to be. Yeah, it's, it's ironic. Both men had 
not the same tournament, but uh, two tournaments taking place in Las Vegas the same weekend. Yeah, just I, you know, big, XFL big. too. Oh yeah, the good old XFL action. Um, everyone looks good except Orlando, who looked terrible. Good. Uh, so baseball, another one of those Wednesday thriller games. Uh, they wrapped up two and three on the week, three of five, and they're three and five overall. I know that doesn't seem really well. Uh, Stieg actually um, brought up a good point, uh, and I hope you have that pulled because I didn't about the straight the schedule and RPI teams that they've played so far, which is very high. So it's like, yeah, three and five doesn't look great, but the teams that they have been playing have been really tough. Um, so Tuesday they lose, they host Florida, number seven Florida, and they lose six to one. Um, USF actually went out to a one nothing lead in the first on a, a Marcus Brodel RBI double. Uh, UF tied it in the fourth on a homer, and it was 2-1 going into the ninth. Then the wheels fell off, uh, which just tends to happen. Uh, that led to the 6-1 uh, result. Uh, USF struck out 15 times. We need to get the backs going. Uh, and Jack Siebert had his first career start. Ethan Brown, Riley Skeen, they all combined for 9Ks on the pitching staff. Um, but on Wednesday, redemption in a very satisfying manner. Um they go to Gainesville, which is an interesting little home and home. Uh, so they win 10 to nine. Again, this happened like right as basketball one as so a women's basketball one, like an hour later, men's basketball one, which is funny because they both started at the same time. Don't know how that happens. We almost gave up on baseball and they came roaring back. USF scored seven in the ninth to take the lead. They were down eight and three going into the frame. Here comes the other cat. Um, Butcher and Mayo both homered in the ninth. Nelson Rivera had four hits, and uh, Mayo's blast was the first game-tying homer in the ninth that USF has had since Brutcher tied the game against Texas in the Austin Regional. We all remember how exciting that was. Um, so it's always fun to have a game-tying home run in the ninth inning. Um, so they, they ended up winning 10-9, uh, to 9, which is their second top 25 victory against number 17. Uh, and UF was previously, um, previously undefeated at the time. So number seven. And they beat number 12, Maryland, number 13, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have the tweet for you, by the way. I sent it to you if you want to pull it up. You excellent. The, uh, proper I, credits that we need. Excellent. Uh, let, I'll wrap up um, the, the weekend match. So then they traveled to Boca Raton to face FAU, and they won the first match 5-1. to one. Hunter Ming pitched a gem. Six innings pitched with six Ks. He has so far looked like the uh, Friday night starter of the staff and has looked good in both of his matches uh, games, not matches. Sorry. When you're going from tennis to golf to baseball, it tends to happen. Uh, Bobby Bozer has a had a six game uh, hitting streak at the, at that time and offense had 11 hits and pitching staff logged eight strikeouts. Um, on Saturday, they unfortunately lost eight to seven in 11 innings. Uh, they were down four, nothing in the third came roaring back to tie it four, four in the fourth. Then FAU took a seven to four lead. But USF came back again and tied it in the eighth on a Cantu homer with the our favorite bit about Daniel can't tie the game in the ninth or the eighth in this case, Cantu. Um, game goes to extra innings and FA wins an 11. FAU wins an 11, sorry. Uh, USF struck out 13 times. So again, strikeouts in that match was were the killer. Um, starter Nolan Hootie gave up four runs and 2.2 innings pitched. Uh, so they're still trying to figure out some um, some of their pitching woes, but a lot of these guys are young, so it's just get, getting the reps that they need. Um, Sunday, FAU wins the rubber match 8-6, to six, again in a, in a game that was going back and forth. Uh, FAU jumped out to a 4 nothing lead. USF came back to take the lead on a Daniel Cantu homer again, 5-4 to four in the fourth. Uh, Austin Grouse got the start, uh, gave up four runs and two innings pitched, and office had 11... Um, uh, and in and, and these games, offense had 11 hits in game one and game two, and then 10 hits in game three. So they were hitting the ball. They just weren't driving in runs, and they were striking out a lot. I'm sorry. They were driving in runs. They just weren't stopping them. So uh, that wraps up that round of, of games. Uh, where did you put this tweet? Uh, next up, that? they um, next up they face you uh, on Twitter. By the uh-huh. way. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you there. That's that why you can't sense. find it. Exactly. Uh, so let's see if I can pull that up. Uh, but they they go to FSU tomorrow to place number six, play number sixteen FSU, and they have a weekend series versus Northeastern. So that'll be a fun match to take a look at. Um, 
I will find it here in a second. Uh, our buddies, are, it's Bruin at McEwen, had a tweet that said, uh, so the record's three. And five. They have R, uh, an RPI of number 49 in the country. That's out of 302 uh, teams. Um, despite having the losing record, their RPI is good despite uh, because they face RPI number 34 Maryland, RPI number 7 UF, and RPI number 17 FAU. So on Wednesday, they play RPI number 3 FSU. So out of all the teams they've played so far, it's all teams 35 of RPI. Uh, so they're sitting at 49. I, I know it's really tough when you see like below 500, you're going, what's going on? FAU, but FAU is a good team. Most teams in Florida are. And you always have to pay attention to that RPI to see how, uh, that, how they can do. Right. So baseball still has their whole season ahead of them. And we're hoping that the pitching staff can uh, figure out who their guys are because they had a lot of freshmen who have come in and have uh, are getting quality innings so far. So it's looking good. That's the key to it right now is, is there's a lot of young and uh, we, we talked about it on Discord for a minute and I won't go on this time too very long, but you know, one of USF's best players um, in the recruiting class last year uh, for work on his uh, college years to go and play in the minors instead. And that's just a common trend that's happening nowadays is a lot of these guys are going to forgo their you know college decisions, try to go uh, pro instead. And, and, you know, when you got the opportunity, you got to take it. So it, it's just balancing that. And, and they've got some good young arms. They've got some, they've got some good guys that they want to start getting in the rotation, but you know, it, it's about figuring out the, you know, I think they've solidified their Friday starter. There's still some questions on their Saturday and Sunday starter, but they have enough arms to make up those gaps right now. Um, again, the, these are, yes, it's annoying to lose, but they're also winning some games they historically probably wouldn't. And I think that's a testament to how well the staff is being putting this stuff together. Yeah, they're able to go four, five, six deep in the in the pitching staff, and they're not overusing arms so far. Uh, so it's just finding the right arrangement. And this generally happens every spring. This is how you start out. So once you get the conference play, kind of figure out what your starters are, your pitching staff is, and and work from there. Yeah, it's tough because the way that baseball, uh, the draft is, you can have a guy committed, they get drafted, and then that's it. They're gone. And it's not like you can then turn around and attempt to replace them right away. So it's it's tough to see that. Um, so yeah, that's baseball. So, uh, they get FSU tomorrow and they'll see, um, we'll see how they can do there. All right. Um, switching over to softball real quick. Um, softball had a pretty solid week, a, a, a good little return week out of, uh, the, the Clearwater Tax Act, uh, invitational that, uh, thankfully they won't have to do ever again. Uh, oh, so man, they went yeah. four and two on the week. They had a very tough slate of games coming up for that weekend too. Um, so that brings them up to their record of six and nine overall. It's very nice. Uh, on Wednesday, part of that part of that Wednesday, uh, they had a doubleheader against Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, they won the first game three to nothing. Uh, Gabriella Nori started started it and got her first win in uh, the Green and Gold, which that's um, an interesting way to start the year for her. Uh, she pitched a complete game, only allowed two hits, had ten strikeouts. Uh, a fantastic outing from her, kind of the outing that we kind of expected from her. Um, as a Lehigh transfer, she was very good at Lehigh. Uh, she, she got thrown into the fire here to start, and I, I think that was probably end up a, a good thing for her. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily Hamlin and uh, Megan Fierro, Fierro both go uh, two for three to drive in some runs for uh, USF there to secure a victory. And then in game two, shortly thereafter, uh, they were down one nothing going into the sixth and then scored three unanswered to uh, win the game. How about that? That's pretty good. Uh, the rally started when uh, Hanlon, uh, again, had a great weekend herself, uh, drew a bases loaded walk, and then Jada Martinez uh, and Antoinette Hell were able to close out the game uh, shortly thereafter for USF. So, overall, uh, a pretty good uh, way to end the streak is to win a doubleheader, or excuse me, a pretty good way to end the losing streak is to win a doubleheader like that. And to um, throw 18 Ks, like over the course of a day, <laughs> like eight right. strikeouts is, whew. it's a lot of fun. Um, and then they, uh, they get a turn right back around and play and play the number five team in the country. Congratulations. Uh, Ken Erickson loves to schedule these tough teams. Um, <laughs> and to make it even better, uh, you throw the true freshman out there to, uh, play the number five team in the country. Um, but that's only going to get them better. Um, Peyton Dixon went out there. Uh, she gave up four runs on six hits and uh, three walks in that loss. Uh, again, Clemson, which, by the way, is a fantastic story because they just started their softball program, I think, two or three years ago. Um, and they're already, like, big-time competing for uh, 
you know, national dominance. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. That's that's awesome. Yeah, fun facts. Uh, and then uh, on Friday, um, so uh, overall, um, Clemson, uh, a really good team, beat USF, and not very good team, nothing notable. Turn right around on Friday. Guess what? You get to play the number nine team in the country, uh, and you get to play Tennessee. So that's fun. Um, they lost that game nine nothing. I think the score makes it look a little worse than it was. Um, Gabriel Nori again got the start, pitched four innings, uh, and kept it scoreless. So not a not a for about four innings there. Uh, she gave up three runs in the fifth. And uh, that was basically uh, all that was really happening up until about the seventh inning. And then Tennessee unloaded for six runs to win the game then. Um, USF got one hitted. Is that the right word for it? One hit, but yeah. They one got hit one hit. Too. They got one hitted um, by, by Tennessee's ace. So uh, what are you going to do about it? Uh, Haley Bryant got the lone hit for USF. Good for her. Uh, keeps us uh, from that yeah, dastardly no-hitter. Field. Yeah, Peyton uh, Got- Gottschall of Tennessee is 3-0, and and she put up a Georgina Cork-esque stat line. Six in the pitch, one hit, zero runs, zero earned runs, zero walk, 11 strikeouts. Just unbelievable. <laughs> when when someone's on it, they're on it. That's all you can do about it. Yep. <clears throat> and the, still, there's more. Uh, Saturday, <laughs> they played against Michigan State, got a big dub out of it. They won 6-1. to one. Peyton Dixon, again, freshman, uh, pitched five innings, uh, gave up six hits, but no runs. So fantastic by her. Uh, Marissa Tribblepiece, transfer from Michigan State, uh, hit a grand slam to seal it for USF, I believe. Pardon the calling that. Uh, yeah. So they were um, they were up 2 nothing um, in the, f- the sixth, and then Michigan State had the bases loaded. They scored a run, and they got out of it. Then in the in the bottom and the home half, Triple Piece hit that homer to left. Um, grand, oh, it was Grand Salami. I, I missed it that. It was a Grand Slam. I, it was a I grand knew it because I knew I tweeted Grand Slammy this weekend. Um, yep. Yes, Marissa Triple Piece, the Michigan State transfer, gets uh, the most exacted revenge you can with a Grand Salami to um, not to win the game, but to seal it, I think is probably the best way to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, a good victory there. And then on Sunday, uh, I have a little battle against University of Illinois, Chicago. Uh, they won the game seven to three. They were down three nothing in the third, though, so it didn't look too great. Uh, but Haley Bryant got an inside the park home run uh, as part of the fourth inning to uh, you know keep some magic going. Um, they scored four runs in the fourth to take the lead, and then just kind of sealed it off from there. Antoinette Hell uh, got the win finally. I, I feel bad because I feel like she always gets tossed in to you know repair some damage, and it just damages that win loss record. Uh, Peyton Dixon got the save, uh, seven total strikeouts in that game. So overall, a, a pretty good weekend, four and two, uh, like we mentioned before. It's a pretty good start, uh, or a pretty good week, nonetheless, when you're playing two top ten teams like that. Um, Haley Bryant got named to the AAC Honor Roll for her efforts. Uh, she batted 429 for the week and had the inside the park home run, which is always fun to watch. And so softball is currently uh, sitting at an RPI of 100, and I the league that's out of, I think, 200 teams, um, 200 something. Uh, but that uh, that sits them at fifth in the conference. So, not quite where we had expected USF to be, uh, USF softball to be historically. You know, you, they usually sit at that one, two, or three mark. Um, they've got a little bit of work to do, but I, I think they've got the arms. Uh, they've got three really good arms to use for conference play this year uh, between Peyton Dixon, Antoinette Hill, and uh, Gabrielle Amori. Um, and then they've got some young arms as well. Jaden Martinez, I think, comes to mind first. But really, uh, the story of the season is their um, the strength of schedule is just absolutely brutal. Uh, it sits at 35th, uh, which is second best in the conference so far. And Erickson yeah. just throwing her girls into the fire. That's what I was looking because I looked at this and I'm like, okay, let's take a look at this. Because they're playing a lot of top 25 teams and it's a lot of good programs. Uh, so that 35 really stuck out to me. So the RPI is, is, is whatever at this point, but you can, you have something to build on and they've been using a lot of different pitcher, um, and roster alignments. So it, they've been trying to, or coach Kansas tr- trying to figure out what's the best match for all this. So it's really good to get a lot of different arms. Again, we've had, you know, Cork for so long, who would just eat a bunch of innings up. So now it's you, you actually have some uh, ability to, to change some things up. Uh, interesting about Antoinette Hill. So she came in, uh, 
UIC went up three to nothing, and then she came in with runners on first and second and uh, gave up a hit, but then shut the door. So she only pitched 0.2 innings, but got the win, but was able to stop the uh, uh, stop the rally by UIC there in the in the fourth. So uh, I, it, that's always good to see because sometimes you know you come in and you're not able to stop that, and then all of a sudden the game gets out of hand. So as a pitcher to be able to come in for a starter that just kind of let let loose a little bit, um, that's good to see, especially for her. so not only can she start, she can actually she can come in the middle of the game as well. So that's good to have the versatility. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll take this last little bit. So next up they play, uh, they do the Bulls Invitational this week from Thursday to Monday where they play Kansas, Rhode Island, USC Upstate, Northern Illinois, and Army. Army is a salute service game. So uh, another, a a lot of huge games happening. Uh, Sorry, softball to me is always so interesting because like you play so many games a short amount of time, you play a ton of doubleheaders. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) Like, uh, but I mean, that's going to be another good weekend at the ballpark. So if you're around the USF area and you want to go support the softball team, go ahead and support them against Kansas, Rhode Island, USC upstate, Northern Illinois and army. That's an eclectic group of teams. That just is just, us. that's, that's right. a whole lot of nothing. It feels <laughs> <laughs> like it's a whole, you'd be like, yeah, those are college teams. Um, it's a bunch so. of, it's a bunch of teams that want to come and have a good time in the Florida heat. Cause it's February and it'll, it'll be March then. And it is what it hit 80 today. <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. It's Shit. unbelievable. Yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. The team from Northern Illinois is like, yeah, we'll play the USF invitational in mid March. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, we get to go um, to Bush gardens after sweet. Fuck yeah. Um, so then uh, switching gears, uh, we will uh, do the quick rundown. Uh, they deserve more credit than the credit we're about to give them, but we'll do a quick rundown on track and field. Mm-hmm. Uh, they competed at the American Athletic Conference Indoor Championships this past weekend. Um, indoors first, outdoors later on in the spring. Uh, overall, really good showing. Uh, six program records were uh, done during the weekend. They had three gold medalists and 12 all AAC performances at the meet this past weekend. So uh, the men's team, will start with them. They had their best showing since 2013 at a conference tournament. So, again, fantastic progress done by Coach Eric Jenkins here. Stop me if this sounds like a surprise to you, Vito. Uh, Romain Beckford is really fucking good at jumping high. He he's not only good at jumping high, he just keeps breaking the same record he has. And he just every place they go to, it's like a uh, new uh new arena record, not arena. What am I thinking? Of? New competition, new meat record, new meat right new new meat record. That program record, he's just like stacking himself on top of the he's gonna have the whole top five eventually. Yeah. Um I think he actually right? has it already. That's just incredible stuff from Romain Beckford, who I think has not lost yet so far this season. He's just he's, been number one. He's gonna go to to, to nationals. He's he's gonna he's gonna compete at the NCAA championship this year. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, David Ajama not to be outdone. Uh, he got first in the triple jump. Uh, David Ajama by himself, I think, scored twenty points for USF if I read correctly between the high jump, the triple jump, and the long jump. Oh, um, so he competed extremely well for USF this past week, uh, alluding to something where. Uh, sometimes you get uh, one track athlete or track or field athlete that does really fucking well and kind of carries your team. Uh, David Ajama was that for USF uh, men's track and field this past week. Um, but not to be outdone, we saw the third victory to discuss. The men's 4x400 meter team got first place in the relays. Again, fantastic mm-hmm. to see and to hear by Coach Jenkins' squad. Uh, Dante O'Banion, Shavoy Raid. Monte Parker and a lot of you right were those uh, you know relayers there. Um, again, fantastic, uh, great showing for those first place teams. A lot of good positive momentum to build on. Again, third place at the AAC Men's Indoor Championship is a fantastic um, middle break of the season for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but elsewhere, uh, Johan Jeremiah set a program record in shot put, and he ended up being fourth. Shavoy Reed, as I mentioned, he's very fast. He got second in the 400 meters and third in the 200 meters. And then Michael Bourne, the third place, second at the 60 meter hurdles. So they're making a lot of really good progress. Uh, a lot of other notable, um, you know, athletes as well finished within the top eight, which scores points for um, USF on these meets. So if you place in the top eight during the finals, you get anywhere between two points and 10 points. Um, mm-hmm. You know, first place obviously gets 10, eighth place gets two. 
and you kind of build everything up from there. So theoretically, if you have all eight of your players qualify uh, for the finals, you can get 10 plus 8 plus 6 plus 4 plus whatever it is, and you can get a lot of points that way, mm-hmm. which is what happened uh, in the women's side of the bracket. Um, not for USF, though, for another school in the middle of the uh, state of Florida here, unfortunately, and I won't mention them by name, but women's team did have their best performance at the indoor since 2014. So again, a lot of really good progress made by Coach Jenkins. Uh, no, no gold uh, medals, unfortunately, but a lot of met, a lot of uh, you know, podium finishes for the Bulls. Uh, Janiah Burton got second in the 400 meters uh, and got a program record while doing so. The men's four by 400 meter got second in their event and set a new program record. Again, uh, Janiah Benjamin, Janiah Burton, Kayla Hug, and Denisha Anderson. Um, for those relayers. And then elsewhere, Anaya Ashley got fourth in the high jump. Chanel Dilla got fifth in the 60-meter hurdles. So a lot of really good things to build on top of. But unfortunately, uh, eighth place overall doesn't sound too great, especially when your rival uh, literally blows everyone out of the water. Um, one of the girls from UCF scored, I think, 48 points by herself. Uh, because she competes in the 60-meter hurdles, 200-meter um, hurdles, 200-meter run. This this girl just dominated the competition. She outscored, I think, three other programs by herself. So, um, you know, what are you going to do? Sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to start winning these things soon. There is no doubt about it. They're, they're turned the corner. Um, no pun intended. Full pun intended, actually. It's just good. Every, every year they... they- continue to break these records. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, I, ca- I showed, if you start looking at these top 10 records of, of USF record holders, it's all starting to really saturate with coach Eric Jenkins players or players that are currently on the roster. And that's just uh, a coach knows how to recruit. Guess coach knows how to coach. I've always fascinated to see like, how do you make people run faster? <laughs> it's just like, and like the difference between the 400 and the 200, because obviously it's, it's either speed, closing speed, or you know, uh, figuring out how to save your speed. Uh, th- th- that's a fascinating thing. I'd like to have a conversation with if anyone knows anyone on track and field or has performed track and field or competed in rather not performed. Uh, that would be a really interesting talk to have. Um, so, Stieg, I think we uh, do everyone's favorite segment: sailing. I I see. I wrote all this stuff from sailing, and I just don't. I don't feel confident. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm good up with sailing. I can tell you about it. Okay. Um. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, I used sailing. Uh, USF competed in the Eckerd Invitational uh, regatta over the past week. Uh, they placed second behind FSU. Uh, scoring is uh, pretty standardized for regattas uh, nowadays. So essentially, uh, you know, order of finish gets you a certain amount of points, similar to um you know, our, our track and field kind of competitions there. So you usually have multiple boats, I have multiple heats, et cetera, et cetera. Just quickly, can I bring up, so they had this another regatta, um, but can I tell you the top 10 in here? So it was Florida State, the USF. Next, Princeton, Eckerd, Jacksonville had two teams, Northwestern, Rollins, Northwestern again, and then Florida Institute of Technology. Star-studded field sailing. Actually, one of the easier uh, Division One sports to uh, actually, or not Division One, they're not Division One. It's uh, not NCAA. It is um, one of the easier sports to sponsor for a school uh, because you only need six athletes and boats um, a lot cheaper than uh, maintaining other pieces of equipment. Um, and then, uh, additionally, USF did have their women's team race over the weekend as well. That one was a smaller batch; only four teams competed. Um, Old Dominion got first, Jacksonville got second, USF got third, and I could give you a thousand guesses and you would never guess the fourth team that competed at the USF women's team race. Um, yeah, if you said Wisconsin, you were correct. Wisconsin uh, competed. Badger. Wait, I, I was, I was shocked when I saw university of Wisconsin, like, huh? Never would have guessed. Said you were an absolute man of, uh, you're a man of a million. I can't Wonders. think of the word. Wonders. Yes, man of a million wonders. Now we can get to our favorite segment. Correct. So, fellas and Bellas. Um, I had a hard time picking my Bella. I will start with Fella. Uh, Tyler Harris, he got the weekly uh, honor roll nominee for uh, 
AAC. He just put an absolute clinic in a game that I was at, scoring 27 points in the second half, 30 total, and uh, won two games. And yeah, he fouled out, but he definitely uh, played well against UCF as well. So Tyler Harris, you were my fella. I'll go fella for you, and then we'll go back to Bella. Perfect, because it gives you time to think about it, right? I did, yeah, it sure I'm does. I'm stalling for you. Um, I, I was I was torn between two. Um, Tyler Harris is the easy option, and I want to say Tyler Harris because I can finally acknowledge that men's basketball exists when they win um, both of their games. So I can acknowledge it. Uh, and so Tyler Harris is my fella, but I also want to give a massive shout-out to Jackson Mayo, uh, who had an absolutely unbelievable weekend, um, or excuse me, week, really. Um, going from you know the Florida matchups to the Florida Atlantic matchups should have been on the honor roll for baseball, but it, the conference needs to figure out their you know the, this baseball and softball issue because there are too many players that play for all of these teams for there to only be I think there's seven slots and that includes like pitchers and 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 hitters as well. So pitcher of the week, player of the week, and then you have five honor roll options. For there's usually like a fuck ton of players that play really well, and uh, Jackson Mayo had better stats than you know one of the guys that was chosen. But the kid, the kid from Memphis was on a team that won like four games against Youngstown State. It's like, all right, yeah, you're gonna give it to the guy that won four games, cool and all, but mm-hmm. it's fucking Youngstown State. <laughs> like, yep. give it to the guy that competed against two top twenty five teams. Jackson Mayo's hitting bombs. And I, I, I believe Jackson Mayo is the reason you uh, drank the Coke and Mayo, right? Correct. <laughs> Which he hated. He hated. He, he he didn't block me, but he might as well block me. Might as well block you. Oh man. Uh, uh, okay, give me, so give me your Bella since you figured it out. We'll, we'll 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 move on to Bella. So I wanted to do Sierra Barry, but that just I didn't want to match exactly you. That was way too easy. Um, I'll let you talk about her. I, I said Sammy Puisis, uh because she shot fifty percent from the field and fifty percent from three against Tulsa. Uh, getting off the Schneid, there was a while there where Sammy wasn't able to hit as many threes. She was having some trouble, um, and just had an absolute clinic against Tulsa. And yes, it was senior night, uh, but she came out and. Um, scored 27 points to solidify the home win against uh, the Golden Hurricane. So my bell of the week, Sammy Puisas, Stieg. I took it from you. Sierra Barry, she's really good at tennis. She's really fucking good at tennis. She, it, yeah. I, it, it pains me because I, I want her to have better support around that time, but she's really good. She's she's doing something really special with her uh, women's tennis program here. Um I had a little typo there, so you noticed it now. Uh, yeah. But, Vito, <laughs> uh, you know, we've gone for an hour and eight minutes. Uh, that is uh, pretty typical now that we're in the big crossover season. Um, so I think we're uh, I think we're good to go to wrap up here. Again, uh, thank you all for tuning in to our uh, weekly USF Roundup. We're here every Monday to discuss the week that was for USF Olympic sports. Any news, anything that happens. We cover it mm-hmm. for Stieg and for Vito. Hasta la vista. Te amo. And uh, what, what are they saying? Uh, ciao. Ciao for now. See ya.